Well, good morning, Catalyst. Welcome to those who are joining us online. So glad everybody is here today. Um, we are back from vacation, had a, had a much needed vacation last week with the family, but it's, it's really great to be back here uh, with all of you guys. Uh, we are in part four of our series, God's Ways, Best Ways. Went through the book of Proverbs and looked at the things that Proverbs says work out. If you do these things, good things happen. Um, and so this entire series is about that. Um, and so uh, we're in part four called The Boss is a Jerk, What Do I Do? And the main thing today is work as if working for the Lord, not human bosses. Okay, so tomorrow when everybody goes back to work, hopefully everybody has a brand new a concept of what work really is. Proverbs 12, 11, like, like the, uh, Solomon just told us, says this, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. I was reading this proverb a few months ago as I was thinking about this message, and it just hit me. In light of the situation we find ourselves in, in America 2020, 2021, um, it is how amazing it is. The Bible, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, actually from Genesis to maps, all right, always draws a positive correlation between work and income. Always. The Bible never promises something for nothing. And people say, well, you got something for nothing when you receive the grace of Jesus. Well, yes and no. Um, I think if you ask Jesus if his grace costs nothing, he'd probably disagree with you on that. But especially when it comes to this life and this world, the Bible always connects work with income, work with getting it. You never get something for nothing. And that is a message that America and the world in general needs to know right now. It, the Bible also connects the lack of work with poverty, hunger, chaos, etc. All through the Bible says those things. Uh, pro- reading in Proverbs 24, 30 through 34, and um, I need to actually put this up um, in the garage next to my lawnmower because it says this. I, I went past the field of a sluggard, the past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds. I wonder if he went by my house. Uh, but the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, Solomon says, and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. It is clear, very clear in the Bible, that we need to get a relationship with work in the right place if we're going to be blessed by God. All right, if many, if not most of us, don't have that relationship in the right place. If we were honest with ourselves, most of us do not have a good relationship with work. We do it maybe out of obligation or something, but we don't have what God wants us to have. We're going to talk about that today. Most people in general don't have a relationship with work in the right place, but make no mistake about it. Work is an enormous part of God's plan for us. What we do from 8 to 5 really plays into his plan. He has a great deal to say about it. Now, if the Bible made such, makes such a clear line between work and income, work and blessing and everything like that, why do so many of us have an antagonistic relationship towards it? I mean, the average person complains 22 times a day. 22 times a day, and most of it's about work. Monday is the least popular day of the week. I mean, if you ever read Garfield when you were a kid, he hates Mondays, even though he never went to work. Um, people talk about retirement as if it's the answer to all their problems. If I could just make it to retirement where I don't have to work anymore. A lot of us at work are like wheelbarrows. 
useful only when pushed, and easily upset, okay? There's actually a very good reason for this, why we have such an antagonistic relationship towards work. And the Bible explains it well. Check this out. Number one, write this down. Work, as it was originally designed by God, was a blessing. It was a blessing, like a vacation. Work was like that. It was a blessing. Genesis 2, 8 through 15 says this, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees are pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. River watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. And I'm going to skip a little bit. Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Right, so what was the first thing, the first purpose God had for humanity? It's work work. Now, this was in the Garden of Eden. This, this was utopia. This was before the fall. This was before Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and, and sentenced all of us to a destiny, uh, an eternity in hell without the save, saving grace of Jesus Christ. And work was part of this utopia. It really was. It was a blessing. It was a pleasure. It was part of the unblemished totality of creation. Work was. Imagine that. Now, that, that made, it's hard to imagine. I, when I was delivering pizzas my senior, my, my fre- after my freshman year in college, I hardly would describe that as utopia. I would hardly describe that as a blessing. That was a tough job. I delivered pizzas all around Lexington in my grand wagoneer with wood paneling. Yeah, and basically it got such terrible gas mileage that I, 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 I ate up all my profits. But guys, that, that was the original design for work, and we have to understand that. Because number two is this, the fall corrupted God's design for work. Okay, the fall corrupted God's design for work. I never realized this, so let's start studying this. In Genesis 3, the next chapter, when after Adam and Eve had been tempted and they fell and doomed all creation to everything, look at what God says to the man, Adam. Look at the curse because of sin. Look at what, what it says here. In verse 17 through 19, to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you, you will eat your food until it, you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Most of that curse dealt with work, didn't it? If you go back through it. So a lot of people will experience when they go to work tomorrow. They'll experience painful toil. Dealing with pressures of work is painful toil. Your work, instead of producing something meaningful and purposeful, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. Isn't that amazing? Not literal thorns and thistles. But I remember talking with a man in his 40s a few years ago. He and his wife uh, made six figures easily. They, they were doing well in life. And I asked him, we were just talking about life, and I asked him if he enjoyed his work. And he said, no, I can't stand it. He worked in HR for a, for a big company, and he said this. He said, all I do is make rich men richer, all day, every day. And I thought to myself, that's what thorns and thistles look like. He's working, but his work is unsatisfying. He's not producing what he wants to produce. And that's where a lot of us find ourselves. You're going to a job, maybe, Probably about half of the people in here really enjoy what they do. The other half don't. Maybe the people joining us online really love what they do. Most don't. Most look at it as painful toil. 
See, that is what happened in the curse. Work was corrupted like it was, uh, like, like everything else. Work was corrupted. And number three, this is, the great, this is the good news, that Jesus' death and resurrection was intended to redeem the entirety of God's creation. You know, I, I, well, before I get into that, getting ahead of myself here. Romans 8, 19 through 22 says this, Paul says this, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to frustration, that's what a lot of y'all experience at work tomorrow. Frustration, not by its own choice, by the will of the one who subjected it. In the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Okay, first and foremost, Jesus' death and resurrection was to redeem humanity, washing our sins away. We just sang about that. Okay, oh, the blood of the Lamb, we just sang about that. Restoring the relationship between God and us, that first and foremost, okay? It it assured those who surrender to him as Lord and Savior, have an eternity, uh, and be born again, you have an eternal life in heaven. And no doubt about that, and I don't want to minimize that at all. That's the message of the gospel. But if you look at the curse in Genesis 3, there are other things that were redeemed as well. Most of it had to do with work, how we would spend our days, what work was going to become. See, Jesus came to restore everything, and I mean everything, to the way it was originally intended to be. See, we in the church have missed that. No one ever told me this when I was younger. I don't know if what you all heard in the church growing up when you were kids. Some of you are still kids, and you're still growing up. But I was never told about this. See, the way that the message of Jesus was presented to me as a, young, as a teenager and as a young man growing up in the church this is, this is what it was told. I was told that Jesus' death on the cross was about going to heaven when you die. And I am not minimizing that at all. The last year, we have lived around death. We, we really have. I mean, it's been, the, the media has assaulted us with death. No, no other time in my life has death been so close as last year and this year, okay? So death is a very real thing. And we, and we, need, to, uh, we need to have answers for that. We need to have our relationship with Christ. No, no doubt about that. I'm not minimizing that. Not putting that down or belittling it anyway. But what I'm saying is incomplete. See, one of my struggles as a young man entering the church was that it seemed to be so way in the future. I, I was always told as a, as a kid, 9 and 10 years old, that when you accept Jesus, you'll go to heaven when you die. Well, that was, I was hoping, that'd be like 70 years away, 80 years away. What am I supposed to do in the meantime? Does, Christian, does the Christian faith have anything to say to me right now not in the future. And the answer that I was never told was a resounding yes. God didn't come to just assure people's place in heaven. He came to redeem everything that we deal with, including work, okay? I mean, it was great to hear that I could go to heaven when I died, but when I was a teenager, like I said, I wasn't planning on dying for decades, and so it was great to hear. It was great. So Christianity, is, it, was it just something that becomes real a few minutes before you die? Well, not at all. And that, maybe that's, that's what a lot of you believe right now, but it's not. We'll spend approximately 100,000 hours working in our lifetime. You don't think God has anything to say about that huge chunk of time? It does. It's an incredibly important part of our lives. So we're looking at work redeemed. Not as a painful toil producing thorns and thistles, but redeemed as Jesus wants it to be. 
Work as if working for the Lord. The, I have four things here about work redeemed that I want us at Catalyst Christian Church and those who, are, who call Christ Lord and Savior, I want us to have, whether you're going to school next week or whenever it starts back, you're going to work tomorrow, whatever it is, if you're a student, if you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever your work is, I want you to have these four things. First thing is this. The way we work will either bring honor or shame to God. The way that we work will either bring honor or shame to God. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not human masters. I want us to get this in our minds that your boss is only your second boss. The first boss is God. And that's who you're working for. I'm thankful for work, you guys. When we were planning the church, 13 years ago. Um, I was talking with church planners and people involved in that whole, whole deal. And I always seemed to hear the same thing. That these people, we were worried about paying this bill and this bill and that bill. And right when we needed it, a check appeared in the mail. Well, God must love them more than they love me. He loves me. Because, or they weren't telling the truth. Because that didn't happen for us. John and I, that didn't happen for us when we planted this. We didn't, we didn't receive things like that. We didn't receive anonymous checks in the mail to pay things. Never did. God was teaching me a very valuable lesson. It was this. When the Bible says God will provide, what he provides is the opportunity to work. He doesn't send you checks. Like Dave Ramsey said, God feeds the birds of the field, but he doesn't throw worms into the nest. They have to go out and get them, okay? Remember, work was a blessing for the fall. God still sees that as a blessing. When he sends work your way, it is his way of blessing you, not his way of cursing you. When he sends work your way, when he sends you more than you can handle, that's a blessing. That is the way that God overfills your cup. And you're like, whoa, God, I could use a little less blessing, okay? I understand that because I've been there myself. And when he blesses you, however, is that it's not just for one day. God bless you with the opportunity to work. He, 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 the potential for income, the peace of mind that comes with steady work. There's nothing more stressful than not being able to provide for your family. God has never written me a check. I've never gotten a check for $10,000 signed God. I never have. Well, he's always, and I mean always, provided with multiple jobs to provide for myself and my family. And that is how God provides. We have to understand that. That's why I don't complain about work. It's a blessing from God. Now, have I had places that I worked that were terrible? Yeah. Have I had jerk bosses that, that made work? I told, yes, I have. I've dealt with that, so have you. Um, I've worked in places where I was not treated well, where people were selfish and rude and unbearable at times. I've worked in those places, and some of those places were churches. I have to admit that, and it's true. People don't leave jobs, they leave bosses, and I get that. I get that. But if you're in that situation right now, and I, I know it's difficult to see that situation as a blessing from God. Some of you are in situations that you can't stand. It's very difficult to see that as a blessing from God, and I get that. And the temptation in those situations, and I've been there, is to do careless, slipshod work, to check out emotionally, to show up, put in my time, and leave, mail it in, not do my best work. After all, what are they doing for me? I get that. I've had that attitude, too. I've heard Christian people tell me, well, they've screwed me on, 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 on pay, so I'll make up for it for, by taking supplies or, or by using my expense account or my con company card to, to pay for my own purchased things. Fair is fair. I've heard people say that. 
I want to counsel you against that. Because what does Scripture say? Work as if working for the Lord. Who are you truly stealing from? Who are you truly doing slipshod work for? For the Lord. Well, that changes things, doesn't it? Uh, It really does. See, the way that we work can either bring honor or shame to God. Remember, in our culture, Bible reading is to a minimum. And you may be the only Bible people see. And so, the way that you work, they bring honor or shame to God. I, I have this just crazy idea. What if it was the Christian students in school that's starting in about two weeks, week or two weeks? What if it was the Christian students that followed through on their assignments, that were responsible, did their best work, were polite, said yes sir, no ma'am to the teachers? What if it was the Christian students that took responsibility for being late or turning in terrible work instead of blaming someone else? What if it was the Christian students doing that? Would that bring honor God, to God in an environment that's hostile to Christianity? What if it was the Christian workers that showed up early, left late, did their work best consistently, week in and week out, year after year? Would that bring honor to God? What if it was the Christian workers that didn't abuse their expense accounts, that didn't mail it in when, when, when the temptation to work from home and you don't really work from home? What if it was a Christian employees that could be counted on to do it right the first time in a culture that emphasizes not doing that? What, would that bring honor and glory to God? Yes, it would. See, the way that we work will either bring honor or shame to God. One of the most non-Christian environments I ever worked in was a lumber yard when I was in seminary. Um, and everybody knew I was going to be a pastor and everything. Well, right about three weeks before I had to leave to go to school, there was another seminary student, his name was Mike, who showed up. And um, the first thing that everybody noticed was that Mike was always 15 minutes late. And in a blue-collar work environment, being on time, Doing your best work is the currency. Hard work's a currency. Talk about work ethic. It's there. And the one thing that you did not want to do is be labeled as lazy because that was the lowest person, uh, the least amount of respect you got was for being lazy or being late, and Mike was both. And when they found out he was going to be a seminary student, was going to be a pastor, I just saw it in their faces. What a terrible, terrible witness for Christ he was. He wound up being fired after two weeks because he was never on time one time. And that, that right there, in the eyes of my coworkers, who were mostly not Christian, was a terrible, terrible thing, terrible witness, brought shame to God. The way we work, will we bring honor or shame to God? So I want to ask you, students, teachers, people, workers, is the way that you are going to work tomorrow going to bring honor or shame to God? because you're the only Bible a lot of people will ever read, okay? Number two, this, is that we cannot separate work from income. There's been a major attempt this year to separate work from income. Proverbs 28 and 19 says this, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. The Bible says you cannot separate work from income. If you separate work from income, you'll come to poverty, okay? That's what the Bible says. This year, like I said, the first time we've seen people paid more not to work than to work. 
I've never seen this before in my life. And businesses and restaurants are feeling it. People are staying home and collecting a check. What's that doing to us? It, in our mind, it's separating work from income. And when you do that, it's conditioning us to see income and work separately. And once the, work, the link between work and income is separated, something happens. The dreaded E word comes in, entitlement. You begin feeling that you should have things coming without working for them. <coughs> Excuse me. And you feel entitled to something for nothing, which is a terrible state of mind to be in. Biblical, it was not biblical nor wise. My cat, <coughs> excuse me, waits for me every morning, waits for us every morning. He spends the night outside catting around, dad jokes. And is he waiting at the door to see us? No. No, he's not waiting at the door to see us. He could care less about us. He's a cat. What he wants is food. Now, he is a cat. Cats are phenomenal hunters, and there are all types of rodents and everything for him to eat all night long. Snakes, he, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he sits at our door, and then he goes and stands by his food bowl and glares at us because he feels entitled to food. And of course, like the suckers we are, we feed him. And he comes back the next day expecting something or nothing. And the next day, and the next day, because he separated food from hunting. What is his status in our household? He's a pet. And if once, one, all of a sudden we decided to stop feeding him, he'd starve. Because he does, not, he does not see the link between hunting and food. And that is what happens to people who, in, in their minds, have separated work from income. They become pets, servants, dependent. And that is not God's will for you. That is not God's purpose for you. God does not want you to be dependent on a handout. He wants you stand on your own two feet and work for what you get because that is how God develops godly character. And I want to issue, I don't mean to be mean, I want to issue a challenge to all the able-bodied people joining us here and online. If you are sitting at home receiving a check for not working, I'm going to call that out and I'm going to say, go get a job. Because right now, something is happening within you. You are becoming a pet. And sooner or later, that check is going to stop, and you're going to have to go to work. Do it now for your own character, for your own self-confidence, for your own everything. Please do that. The Bible does not say, sit there and receive something for nothing. The Bible says... He who works his land will have abundant food, but the whoever chases fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Poverty is one step away from your door if you're not working. The Bible says, cannot separate work from income. Cannot do it. There's an attempt to do it right now, and that's the way that you become a slave, a pet. That's the path to being a pet. Number three, consistent work is the path to success. 
Consistent work. All right, Proverbs 15, 19 says this, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. How many of you all have ever tried to walk through a path filled with thorns? How many of you all have ever driven on a highway? A little bit different, isn't it? It says the way of the upright is a highway. The only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. Right? Jesus told us this, the concept, this is what he wants for us, the concept of what's called the second mile. Anyone ever heard of the concept of the second mile? This is good stuff, you guys. This is great. I love this. In Matthew 5, 41, it's not in your outline, but it says this, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, why in the world would Jesus say this? Well, let's give a little bit of context. Back then, the Jewish nation was under Roman occupation, and the law stated that if a Roman soldier was carrying a pack, he could go to a a, a home of a Jewish person, knock on the door, give them the pack, and the Jewish person would have to carry it one mile. The Jewish people had one mile stepped off. They had a rock or something, a marker, where they would have to do this. They could not, it, 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 was, it, it was a law, you had to do this. Okay, and it was humiliating, it was, it, it, it was depressing. The, they had to stop what they were doing and carry this load for this Roman soldier. They had to do it to a mile. And Jesus said, someone forces you to do that, I want you to go another mile. I want you to carry it two miles, not just one, two. Hmm. Imagine what the Roman soldiers were thinking. Here's the marker, here's a mile. But instead of the guy throwing it down in disgust and cursing him, he goes, keeps on going, keeps on going. And the entire time the Roman soldier scratching his head said, man, this guy's hardcore. It's amazing. What the heck is he doing? I've never seen this. The guy's not even complaining. He's actually walking another mile. I want to imagine after that, Roman soldier looks at the Jewish person and says, you know what? Since you did this, if you ever need anything, any one of, my, of the Roman people or the soldiers are oppressed, you call me and I'll set them straight. If you need anything, if you, you, know, if you need someone to, to come and rescue you, if you need, you call me because I cannot believe you went the extra mile here. You have character. You have something that other people don't have. And so when Jesus says this, he, it's, it's an amazing thing. It is a demonstration of character. It is a willingness to go further than what was required. And guys, that is the key to success. I have never known someone who has done well in this world that does only what is expected of them. The people that do well in this world are the people that do more than what is expected. They go the extra mile. And if you want to know who is successful, who's going to be successful, just look around. On a team, who are the players that are working in the offseason when they don't have to? Who are the workers that are on time or a little bit early, get the work done before they leave? Who are the, the ones that go the extra mile? Those are the ones that get the promotions. Those are the ones that do well. Those are the ones that have the respect of the clients. Go the extra mile mile the second mile that is how you are successful that's what jesus says to do so if the boss says i want you to do this i want i want you to do this do more that's what jesus says you're supposed to be at eight o'clock get there at 7 45 if you're getting paid for 40 hours you better be working 40 hours because that is what the bible says 
is the path to success. That is how work becomes a blessing. Okay? And the fourth thing is this. This is my favorite one. Is that every Christian is commissioned for kingdom work. You understand that your job pays the bills. That's it. To enable you to do kingdom work. That's it. Uh, We are not called to be, the. the, you you are not your profession. You are a Christian who is called to kingdom work, to make disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's called the Great Commission. We talk about it all the time. That is what you are to do. Your work pays the bills in order for you to do that. That's it. All right? In his popular seminars on leadership, I love this, uh, management guru William A. Cohen often asks his audience, get this, I want to see if you guys can figure this out. Ask his audience, they can think of an organization which has all the following attributes. Check this out. Number one, the workers work very hard physically, including weekends with very little complaint. That's the first one. Second, the workers receive no money and little material compensation for their services. Anybody? This sounds like a good job, huh? All right. Third, it gets better. The work is dangerous and workers are frequently injured on the job. Or four, the work is strictly voluntary. People sign up for this job. Though you workers have unusually high morale. Or six, your organization always has more workers than can be employed. There's a waiting list to work here. The last one, workers are highly motivated to achieve the organization's goals. He said, can you name me an organization that has those characteristics? And the, and the, the executives, you know, they scratch their heads, they're stomped. They're like, we cannot think of one organization that has that. And the answer is this, a high school football team. Christians know another organization called the church. We're volunteers. We're volunteers. We're highly motivated. We frequently get injured on the job. No compensation, nothing. It's the church. It's interesting to note that God has often called people to places of dignity and honor when they, have, when they are busy and have honest employment of their vocation. Check this out. Saul was seeking his father's, uh, uh, Saul was seeking his father's donkeys and David's father's sheep when they were called to be kings of old, of, in the Old Testament. The shepherds were feeding their flocks, working, when they received the announcement of Jesus' birth. Uh, God called four apostles from their fishing, from their, uh, Matthew from collecting taxes, Moses from keeping his father-in-law's sheep, giving from the threshing floor, Elisha from, uh, uh, from the plows. God never calls a lazy person. All these people were busy and working when they were called to do God's work. God never calls a lazy person. God never encourages idleness and will not despise a person in lowest employment. I want to invite the band to come on back up. Last year, guys, a lot of kingdom work stopped. A lot of it stopped. We had to cancel our mission trips. Discipleship stopped as people weren't able to meet together. People socially distanced, but they also spiritually distanced. People left their churches. People left community groups. People left uh, friendships. Spiritually distanced. Now, in the Great Commission, God did not say to make disciples unless there's a virus out there. He didn't say that. God did not say to make disciples as long as it's safe. God said to go in all the world and make disciples. I happen to believe, this is my personal belief, that the return of the Lord is very near. 
I do. I've never felt like this before. I believe that Satan is going full out right now because he knows his time is short. And we as a church have a responsibility to make as many disciples as we can in this short time. Save as many as possible. Parents, your children are your first disciples. Far more important than the job you go to every Monday is whether or not your children know the Lord. Friends, family, all need discipleship. If you're in need of growing in your faith, I want to ask you, call someone up and say, let's, let's meet once a week and let's pray and let's study together because I need that. If you are mature in your faith, call someone up who isn't as mature and say, let's meet together for prayer and study. I want to pour into you. I want to share my faith in Christ with you. I want to help you grow. We also, we have work to do, Christians. We are to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything Christ commanded us. We just sang an amazing song, Come Hell or High Water, as I'm sitting there listening to that. Come Hell or High Water, you're still on the throne. I love that. Two weeks ago, we had a COVID outbreak, the VBS. A lot of our kids and parents got sick. We had that. My question is this. Was that outside God's plan? Nope. No, it wasn't. See, Romans 8.28 says that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called to his, according to his purpose. My personal belief is this. We were doing God's work. VBS, we were reaching. This is the largest VBS we'd ever had. Children were loving it. It was awesome. We did three nights of that. We accomplished what we were supposed to accomplish. And then... We had a COVID outbreak. Now, there are two people in the hospital right now, Kaylee Harlemert and Kevin Mink. We're praying for them. They're doing well. Everybody else is recovering at home. Some of you guys had it last week and you're back. Wonderful. Some of you on, online are joining us. This is what I believe. <clears throat> I believe this, that God has called us to kingdom work in spite of that. I, it could be that God is vaccinating us or inoculating us because there's something Bigger coming in the fall. I don't know. But I do know this, that we are called to stay faithful through it all. This is not outside God's plan. We are a step closer to herd immunity now. Hey, it's great. If you need to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you've already had it, natural immunity apparently is, is just as good or better. That is, that is where we are right now. See, God works all things, all things to the good of those who love him. So was, a, uh, was this a, a, a big, bad thing? Uh, no, because God's working it to the good. Those of you that are sick and recovered, I'm, we, we prayed for you. Those of you who are sick right now, we are praying for you. And we, can't, and we can't wait to see everybody back next week when people are out of quarantine. But now everybody's, now, now we have herd immunity. It's wonderful. Like I said, maybe there's something bigger coming this fall that God is preparing us for. He is preparing us for his work. Okay. I believe that. We're called to work as if working for the Lord. I want you guys to have a new relationship with work, redeemed, blessed, not just where you work from eight to five, but with kingdom work. It is an honor and a privilege to bear the name Christian 
and to share our faith, to do the work of the kingdom, to feed the hungry, to witness to the, to, to the lost, to, to pray for the suffering is an honor. We need to start looking at it that way. When Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed a lot more than just us. He redeemed the entire concept of work. Tomorrow when you go to school or when you go to work, work as if working for the Lord, not for a human boss. I want to invite you to stand up and let's give some awesome praise and worship to this God who has redeemed this major chunk of our lives.